0: This is Heather Fleming, founder and director of In-Purpose Educational Services. And this is Delaney Ray, the assistant director of In-Purpose Educational Services. And welcome to the Listen, Learn, Love podcast, where comfortable friends engage in sometimes uncomfortable conversations. So put your shame on the shelf. There is no room for shame here. And let's get ready to listen, learn, and love. So, Katie. Hi it's just us today you and me friend
1: oh yeah i was supposed to say so delaney guess what
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey no it's it's we're just we're we're flying without a parachute today heather's not here to keep us in track no and i
1: i always kind of flub up the first part so it wouldn't be an episode without katie if i didn't flub up the first part
0: (laughs) so that that brings up a really good point though like is is there any way to truly flub this up? This is just us like, I mean, do we really know what we're doing with this podcast? Like, I'm, <laughs> is, is there anything to really mess up here?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're making up the rules as you go along, there's
0: really, you know, you're good, right? Like my favorite line from Schitt's Creek, fold in the cheese. <laughs> yes. Fold in it.
1: I, after the meeting we had this morning, I realized that we really have just been folding in the cheese, but we've been getting better and better cheese to fold in. So
0: <laughs> well, I think at first we weren't even folding it in. We were just throwing cheese somewhere in the same vicinity as a pot.
1: <laughs> I think it might have also been like shredded parmesan. like a so. grated parmesan. Like
0: yeah cheese yeah, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. So, I'm super excited yes. about this conversation that we're gonna have today.
1: I am too. I'm excited about this one.
0: So today, you and I are going to talk about raising anti-racist children. Yep. (laughs) And I think this is a big conversation because sometimes people think that this work is all done really big in front of television cameras. Only in February. Only (laughs) in February. February. Yeah, that's the only that's the only time of year.
1: But (laughs) Or in June, like mid June, you know, where or you know Juneteenth. Yes.
0: (laughs) But the truth is the work of being anti-racist is just very, actually, every day. A it's of everyday
1: action. It it's really every
0: is. day. It's just a constant, and it's it doesn't have to be huge, and it doesn't have to be public. And I think one of the biggest examples of that is in raising children. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to start us off?
1: Sure. Um, so, if any of you guys listening here have visited the In Purpose website, um, you will see my little uh, getting to know you video. Really, was about one of the reasons why I wanted to work with In Purpose and Heather, and now Delaney, of course, um, is with regards to like learning and being being an anti racist in the right way of. Uh, affecting change long term and we all know that affecting change long term is going to come with the kids uh that's that's the future and if my kids can be you know 20 or 30 percent better than i am at something then that's success so i i don't know i mean a lot of the raising anti-racist kind of comes back to uh my own anti-racist journey and i figured out about what racism was. I didn't know the word for it but I figured that out super early in my life. Um, I've mentioned it before in various ways but uh, I went to public school as a kid um, in South County St. Louis. I was you know a generation or so after white flight and so everyone in my class was white that lived by me but there were some uh, black kids that were bused in from the city and so I, I grew up in class with, um, you know, black classmates and it was no big deal, but I definitely could figure out, uh, the differences. And as I kept growing older, um, we would start learning about things like the Dred Scott case and cause I was big in St. Louis history and for, it would never fail that when I got to the quote, the end of that story, um, which was that he was not granted his freedom. I was, cause he, quote, wasn't a uh, real person, I couldn't help but look at my classmate sitting right next to me and be like, what do you mean he's not a real person? He said, like, his descendant is sitting right next to me. Um, and so I started recognizing differences very early in that regard. I then started working in, like, the corporate environment, and I saw a lot of different systematic differences that allowed um, a separation and I'm totally going off a tangent here. So, um I'll get back to my kids, but I recognized it really early on and I've seen it consistently in my everyday life. And so what I personally have tried to do is be the change. It's slow and you know, the everyday change to help bring my kids into a world of these separations and div- and divides don't exist. And I also want to have it where um, I don't want my kids to only be the ones that have opportunities uh laid out for them, so um, I have two little boys um they're both white, and so with that, I'm well aware that they are privileged. I mean, looking at the life that me and my husband have lived, we're both white um and we're we've always had privilege so far. so raising the kids, um I've made it kind of a personal goal of mine to um Make sure that their life isn't uh, so whitewashed. Part of that is uh, moving into the city, for one. Um, Yes, we are still on the south side, which is, if you know St. Louis, that is the white side. Um, But it is certainly a lot closer than uh, South County was. So um, that was always a big thing, the fact that we had kids, but we've also stayed in the city, once we had kids, because part of uh, what happens in St. Louis is people move to the city because it's fun in their 20s and they party and meet people, then they have kids and settle down and move back to the county. And uh, me and my husband decided early on that that was not what we were going to do. At the time, we, you know, we buying a house. We didn't know what we were doing. we were just trying to find a house that makes sense for us. But turns out that we. Uh, lucked out and we have a fantastic uh, public school uh, down the street from us and you know a lot of people don't want to go to St. Louis City Public School but here we are and I could not be happier with how things are going the past two years so um, that's kind of it what do you got for me and (laughs) and I can go from there.
0: Yeah, so that's so interesting because it's so completely different than mm-hmm. my experience. So I, my husband and I both um, lived in the same small town. It was mm-hmm. a university town. It mm-hmm. was small, but it had a big university there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of diversity that comes with the university. Right. And I'll tell you, my high school, looking at a pie chart, Caucasian was probably the single biggest slice of pie. Sure. But when you add all the others together, mm-hmm. Caucasian was was a minority, slight, right? But still was a minority. That's how gotcha. diverse my high school experience was, and even middle school. Um, when I moved there, uh, was late elementary school, middle school type type age. Mm-hmm. So I experienced a school setting that was so diverse. And it was the 80s. And I just was naive, I think, to a lot of racism, because we didn't, we didn't see it play out. Mm-hmm. I think as much as we see it play out right now, it's such a topic. Sure. And it just didn't seem to be such a dividing factor in, mm-hmm. you know, interracial relationships. were not something that I heard a lot of negativity or taboo about Mm -hmm. Um, your neighbors, you're just friends and neighbors were not necessarily all white. Mm -hmm. So when I moved here in my twenties and got married and we started looking to buy a house, we didn't know hardly anything about the area. I didn't Mm -hmm. know where to live. So I just had to listen to the, to the real estate agents who kept Mm -hmm. saying, this is the best school district. This is where you want to live. And I didn't understand at that time, what they were saying.
1: Coded language.
0: Coded language. And Mm -hmm. so we bought a house out in West County and we went to the school that was considered the best school. And pretty soon I started to clue in that there was this, again, these, these coded words being used where Mm -hmm. you would hear people say, oh, well, that's a city kid. Such and such happened. Well, it was probably a city kid. I didn't Understand until that moment what was going on. Mm-hmm. Those were pretty much the only black students, were the, the kids that were a part of this um, VIC program. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what that stands for. Do you volunteer? Oh, I
1: don't know. I don't know what that is, but we, have, we so had. So the program. VIC program yeah. out yeah. here
0: is where, um, you know, students from the city. Can come out and go to school in the county.
1: Yeah, we, I forgot what we called it. I think it was, oh man, I'd have to Google
0: it. (laughs) It's just been so long. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't remember the exact words, but all of a sudden I realized out in West County, it was automatically assumed if you were black, you can't, you live in this city. Exactly. A student who is black was not your neighbor, was not your kid's neighbor, was not in your, I neighborhood mean, dance you, like, classes we, we and called, your neighborhood swim teams—they they were was, called
1: city kids. Like we, like and I still am. Like I, uh, I hate repeating it, and I want to just you know I'm, I cringe. Um, I was
0: horrified. Yes. I was horrified when I realized what what was going on and what people were saying. And, and I have to tell you that I heard all this talk about city schools. Every time you heard somebody say, oh, St. Louis public schools or the city schools, mm-hmm. it was not in a positive light. It was a, oh, well, this happens at city schools. Or, and I wasn't sure what to envision in my mind, what people were talking about. And then pre-pandemic, so a few years ago, I actually started doing some tutoring in one of the St. Louis public schools, quote unquote, mm-hmm. city school. And the first time I showed up for my first day of, of tutoring and walked in the building, I had such a huge moment of nostalgia. It was exactly like my <laughs> my grade school. Right. This was the school I grew up in. Mm-hmm. This was, I mean, this to me is what school seemed like. And I realized that I had gone to schools that A, had so much more diversity, mm-hmm. having pictures and quotes and things around the school of non-white Historians or, you know, mm-hmm. figures of history was common for me in my schools. And furthermore, it made me realize I had grown up in schools that didn't have excess money. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. you know, and so what what people around me had considered this less than scary, dangerous, oh, you wouldn't want your kids to go there. I was like, wait a minute. I was the product of a school just right. like this. And that's, yeah, so,
1: <laughs> so, I mean, I, I went to public school. Um, so public school for me isn't scary or anything. Um, but that was definitely a conversation that uh, me and my husband had because he grew up going to private school. And so it's like, well, what do we want? And <laughs> whenever we have disagreements, we always – pretty much go with uh who cares more and that's who wins and I cared more I was like no they're going to public school we're going to public school we're going to public school now to be fair um because of everything that I had heard um but I could also you know caveat realize that I recognize the coded language but people are like well when you have kids you're going to move back to the county when you have kids what what school are they going to go to I'm like I don't know, we'll figure it out. But then people are like, well, what about, what high school are they gonna go to? I'm like, my kid is still in diapers. I am not concerned about what high school they're going to right now. Like, I I just wanna make sure that like they're okay, um, day to day. Um, And so I'm only concerned with the things that I need to concern myself with right now. Um, And so I had had researched all the schools around me. Some schools are private schools, some are religious private schools, others are charter schools, some are public schools. And the way that the city is set up, like, you have your neighborhood school, but like, if you have a ride, you can go to kind of any school you want. Um, and if there was a school that, and again, I know this is where the privilege comes in, that if there was a school that we wanted them to go to, we would make it happen. Like, it, whether it was financially or uh, getting them, you know, a ride to a school or whatever. But, I, so I started researching when it came time to picking a school. And sure enough, our neighborhood school just kept being at the top of the list. And then it kept, I, you know, I looked at, um, demographics. I looked at scores. I I looked at even the logistics of like, what would it be like to drive my kid to that school every day for eight years or whatever? It's like, that's not a small thing. Um, and, but the main thing that I really paid attention to was, uh, the demographics of the students and, um, and the leadership as well in the school. Um, and it ended up where we picked our neighborhood school. They were the best one. Um, and we've been there for a couple years now and I still stand by it the way that they have handled the pandemic, the way that they have handled, um, all the needs of the kids. Um, I could not, feel like I had made a better decision because especially when you look at it through the pandemic and then like the all the political and equity rhetoric going on um what's funny is the school that was supposed to be so scary is the one that's handling all of it completely the best um in my opinion <laughs> but we don't have like um fights at school um we don't have parents showing up screaming at each other having you know uh fights at the uh at board of educator meetings or any of that stuff like we're it's all a bunch of like-minded people that believe in diversity and um and kind of every letting everybody have their voice um that when it came down to are we wearing masks or not we've always the kids have always worn masks they've been uh, super safe, all that stuff, it's just never been an issue. And so I find it, I don't know if ironic's the right word, because, <laughs> you know, I don't want to pull Alanis Morissette right now. But I do find that it's uh, ironic that the fact that this quote, scary school and public school in St. Louis City has been one of the safest ones in the past couple years. So
0: yeah, in my experience with the one that I went to every week doing some tutoring was, you know, for starters, not all students were of one color Mm -hmm. right like this idea that it's a completely opposite segregated area was like wow you know no Mm -hmm. it was diverse and it was diverse in students and teachers Mm -hmm. and staff um, Mm -hmm. which is what we're missing out here in West Mm -hmm. County and then I think you have to work a little harder you know one of the things I found very interesting when my kids were little is that They would have friends come over and be surprised that my kids had books, toys, Mm -hmm. games that depicted people other than what you find out here in West County. To the point that I remember at one point a friend asking to borrow some of those things because she suddenly realized that her child was saying things that she was afraid were going to be, um, I want to say, I mean kids i think racism is taught right Mm -hmm. so i don't want to say a kid was saying things racist i think it was a child saying things that they just hadn't been exposed and did not understand that you know people come in all different types right when you're only surrounded by (laughs) one image you know whether it's race or whether it's um uh disability or whether it's you know the you know out here of course again the norm is christianity sure. and so i remember you know this friend asking me to borrow some of these books that that their child had seen mm-hmm. and read at my house and i was and i these are all things i found very odd right like it just didn't occur yeah. to me that people didn't <laughs> do that
1: <laughs> and honestly it makes me think it like you're telling the story it makes me think of my oldest who's really not that old like he's just losing his first like tooth (laughs) like he's not old at all um and years ago we had we were reading a book and the book was it was very um upfront about teaching anti-racism like I was like trying to talk about how like everybody you know we love everybody and everybody you know just all the things that we're trying to do right here but in a kid's book but what was funny is my son was like why are you reading this to me Because he'd already been reading books with, like, people that don't look like him. (laughs) He'd already been reading, like, he was already diversified in the, and living in a world where diversity is just a given, that he was like, why are we talking about this? Um, And so I had to have that conversation with him about, like, well, this isn't necessarily how everyone feels. We, you know this is important to our family, not necessarily It's not necessarily important to everybody else. And so, but it was just funny because he was just like, why are we talking about this? Because he just assumed diversity and equity and all those things as a given. And I was like, okay, okay. and that's, I was like, okay, that's, it's working, you know? And the thing is like recently, um, (laughs) I took him to a black barbershop, you know, and that's the other part is like being part of the city is the access to other spaces that aren't, uh, the norm And the norm for myself, someone like myself, how about that? So I, you know, I took him to a black barbershop We go to different, uh, stores and restaurants or this and that, that are not, um, you know, the, the white standard or whatever, you know, and it's one of those, like we walked in the barbershop and, you know, there's a immediate slight discomfort because you're trying to figure out the situation. Cause personally, I wanted to make sure that my white presence and female presence wasn't, uh, changing the environment for the people that work there I'm making it feel uncomfortable because if it was one of those like because I don't want to insert myself in a space um, for my own amusement if that makes sense so it's you know um, so I want to make sure it was still okay for us to be there Um, and it became very apparent quickly that we were you know more than welcome and we talked and all this and um, and the thing is with the public schools here um, the different schools they all wear dress code stuff And because that's another reason why they they do dress code even at the public school level is because it it's a great equalizer because then it doesn't allow someone that has more to show up with uh, fancier name brand clothes and let the less privileged child to show up in you know three days old clothes or whatever so it, the uniforms are a great equalizer in that regard which is great. But because if you live around here, you kind of can tell which kid goes to what school because of what clothes they're wearing because they're different schools uh, or different uh, color codes for different schools or whatever. So we were getting his haircut at the barbershop and my son was wearing his school uniforms still. And one of the other barbers that we'd been talking with um, asked me what school he went to because he recognized the colors. And it turns out that his daughter uh, is in the same grade as my son. Um, And we got to talking. And now, like, I now know that dad because I see him at drop off and we're talking all the time. And now it's just like it's normal for a white mom to build a relationship with black man um, and be friendly with. And that's the kind of anti-racism that I am trying to teach my kids is that uh, we don't have to always talk about it in books. We don't have to always do it in such a structured way. It's truly, I kind of practice what I preach. I mean, I love that he knows who Heather is and he knows who you are, you know? And the thing is like, he sees his mom work for a black woman and that's a dynamic that isn't the norm. And I love that, that it's, he doesn't, he he, like, I feel like I am, I feel like I'm doing all right, (laughs) but that is a goal of what kind of way I want to parent. So,
0: and I think that's what I wasn't prepared for Mm -hmm. until one day I woke up and I was like, my children are bathed in upper middle class whiteness (laughs) and nothing else, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it spilled out in the way things were handled within the community. I'll Mm -hmm. never forget the first time that my kids public school had a transgender student and Mm -hmm. people's heads, just imploded. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is really disheartening and sad, you know, mm-hmm. and my, my children are watching this play out in a way that was just broke my heart. And so, you know, it's not just race, but all diversity and equity mm-hmm. is different. Well, it's different out here. Now, that's not yeah. to say that people out here are meaning to be racist or mm-hmm. exclusive but this area is exclusive it, and yeah, so it's just, it
1: happens to be you it, know? that's
0: the way it is and right. if you are not purposeful in seeking out opportunities of of diversity mm-hmm. it's just not going to accidentally happen on a daily Absolutely. basis and the
1: thing is like i think that's you know <laughs> i mean heather's uh book title my black friend says is totally tongue-in-cheek because someone that is doing try at least starting on their anti-racist journey they tend to go find a token black friend and they're like well i have one black friend like i you know and the thing is like no it's a lot more than that you can't tokenize one person and it's about um you know Getting, I don't know. I'm just thinking about like our friends group as well as my other friends. And the thing is, my kids are getting like my youngest, you know one is completely unaw- unaware of a lot of things. But my older one is very observant. And the thing is, when I I have interracial marriages, I have biracial friends, I have uh inter religion, in, yeah, I guess inter religious friends that are couple. You know, I have Mexican friends. I have. Uh, you know, Puerto Rican friends. I have black friends. I have, uh, layered beige friends. I have non-binary friends. I have gay friends. I have, uh, you know, people that can speak Spanish. I have like, I just naturally have, um, a wide array of friends, you know, not necessarily all are Christian. Some, uh, are Jewish. Some are, you know, this or that. Um, and a lot of my friends actually tick a lot of those boxes with regards to, uh, well, diversity, they're just very different than I am. But the thing is, what I like to connect, how I connect with those people is honestly love. I mean, I love these people and I want to get to know them better. So when I ask them a question or I want to learn or this or that, it's never met with animosity because I genuinely are wanting to get to know more about that person. And that's the not tokenizing of that person's experience. Um, and I think that that's, what's kind of missing a lot of times is when you're trying to go down the road is of learning all this stuff. It's like, you end up tokenizing and then you think that that one person is a monolith for, um, that community. And that is not the case. And so you have to have actual diversity, um, in your surroundings for it to really work. And that's what I just think it's funny because it's like my kids, they just take it for granted and they don't realize that when I have these, uh, you know, try to have these little lessons with them. They're like, well, I don't understand. Why are we talking about this? Because yeah, this is true. I'm like, okay, well you clearly learned that lesson, (laughs) but we'll continue, you know, um, growing, you know, like we'll continue it as they grow older because the, the conversation, you know, needs to get more in depth and, you know, uh, explain to them what racism raci- racism the history of the united states history of you know systematic oppression all of that stuff um and i haven't totally gotten there with them but i'm i can tell you that because we've already had laid a lot of groundwork um it won't be a difficult conversation for us so
0: well and that's what i think i'm hearing mm-hmm. through all of this is that you're ahead of the curve in each of these things, instead of having to suddenly one day be like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I need to go get some books and movies I mean, that I, show I will, other types of people. Sure. And
1: I feel bad though. Cause I'm like, Oh, all these things I, he should probably know who MLK is. <laughs> like, I just like, we're doing these things, but uh, I, I, I've kind of like forgotten about the big ones that are always pushed out there. Um And I'm like, and I should probably go and, I haven't learned about those ones but then I'm like wait no they'll cover those ones at school it's fine I don't have to do that one like they'll cover you know Rosa Parks and you know George Washington Carver at school I can talk more about you know the Heather Fleming's of the world so
0: well (laughs) kudos to you I really do feel like it took me a long time a long time living here in this area to really understand Uh, where I lived and how much this area lacked in diversity. And I would do a lot of things different. My kids are young adults now, so, Mm -hmm. you know, what their problems are their own. (laughs) (laughs) I've washed washed my hands of those
1: punks. (laughs) I I do have to add one more thing before we kind of go, because I know I feel like we're wrapping this one up. But, like, I want to say that like I also am well aware and I intend to teach my kids that because they're white and male that they're going to be on the typical higher end of the social hierarchy and part of that is to uh, as you climb the ladder to open up the doors behind you um, and speak up for those people that may need uh, someone to help amplify their voice and I think that that's kind of the stuff that's the big stuff where the real change happens is when you can get the people you know I mean he's going to be 30 one day probably ruling the world and I want him to make sure that the people surrounding him aren't just other white men you know so what a
0: what a beautiful way to look ahead to the impact that your children are going to have yeah. in society
1: I hope I mean the thing is I hope I mean I can't, I can't you know I wish I had a crystal ball, but kind of that. It's like I practice what I preach. I actually do have a diverse friends group. I am friendly with people that do not look like me. Um, I try to, you know, what is it? The bonding ties and the bridging ties and all that stuff. I try to, you know, work with the school and get you know, build relationships with, cause that's going to be our biggest, like, to be honest, that's going to be our biggest connection to the outside world is through the school. Um, so getting to know like other students in his class and their families and actually being like, Hey, uh, you shouldn't only play with the white kids or have sleepovers with just the white kids or whatever is like, you know, I want him to have friends with, uh, the Chinese kids in the, um, truly African kids or the black American kids or this or that. And, you know, go spend the night at their house and truly see what the world looks like. Um,
0: So let me ask you this, because this is an interesting conversation to be having on the heels of what's going on in our Missouri legislation right now when it comes to equity and education. Do you worry or have you seen within schooling that being white males has, has, well, I guess only one of your boys is in school, but have you seen, or have you worried about this idea that your child is going to be going to feel bad about himself, that he's going to feel oh, like
1: his whiteness is something? Yes, that he is needs under to be attack
0: or that he guilt, this, this guilt that, I mean, this is a conversation we hear when it comes to this, this current push against equity and education.
1: Okay. So my, my metaphor for that, or how I extrapolate from that is I am of German descent. And how do I feel about, uh, the Holocaust and Nazis? Do I take responsibility for that? No, because I wasn't there. I wasn't alive, this or that. However, (laughs) what I do is learn from history and be a better person and make sure that doesn't happen again. And so that's the kind of lessons where like, do I, will my kid feel, uh, bad because probably in our history of us or someone else that there is probably you know I don't know we're in Missouri we might have owned some slaves I don't know we truly don't know I don't think we did though because of we haven't we my family hasn't been here that long but fact is I don't know um and does he am I going to try and make him feel bad about that no but again it's learn about it learn about the history, learn about um, the ripple effects and how our actions affect others um, and make sure those kind of systems that are still in play to kind of create um, that power structure to keep it still at play um, to try and dismantle those things. So I don't think that my kids remotely feel bad or shame for being white. I don't think that that is even like I think it's almost like kind of celebrated at school because it's part of the diversity. Like you can't have, um, you have to have all of it to be a diverse, you know, society. And so, no, he's, they don't feel shame. I don't think he even understands that he's white, honestly. (laughs) So, um, but that's a good thing. Like he just understands that he has lighter skin than his other friends. He just, you know, we're slowly learning the difference of all of that and what that means in adult society. But no, he's not shameful or feel shame.
0: Oh, to have precious littles again. I know.
1: I could talk about this. I know I've been rambling this whole time, but I could probably talk about this for another five hours so I don't think anybody really wants to do that and listen to me
0: <laughs> I, I mean hey I do I'm all about it I you know and I think it's one of those that when you know better you do better there's yeah. a lot of things that if I could go back and redo with yeah. my littles that I would you know in all kinds of different ways but on the flip side you know they're good humans mm-hmm. um, we have an, a lot of just natural diversity in our family my yeah. kids just because of who they are there's certain aspects mm-hmm. of their life they're in the majority and certain aspects of their lives they're in in, in Marginalized groups, sure. and so, um, yeah, I just uh, have to accept that we've we've rolled with it in the ways that we can. But I love sure. hearing your story because I think there's so much there for people who still have young kids that are just starting out in school or that are in school that are are starting to really look around them and Mm -hmm. see what their kids are exposed to and and want to fill in the gaps
1: I mean and the other one is like we talk about them with them about tricky people and like when we were kids tricky people were you know a guy in a white van trying to get you to you know, help him find his puppy or whatever.
0: Okay, that still freaks, like, that still sounds tricky to me. The thing okay. is, <laughs> that's not a thing that,
1: that, like, if you looked at statistics, like, that is not, but when you look at statistics, um, you know, of Cap kills unarmed black man and stuff like that, we talk about tricky people in a completely different way, because I talked to him about how, you um, tricky people can, uh, some tricky people might not like your friends because they look different than you. That's where we're starting. I mean, he's still little and doesn't understand that. Um, But we talk about tricky people in a completely different way. But the tricky people (laughs) for us that we talk about are (laughs) racists. So, um, but the idea is I'm laying the groundwork so that as he grows older, he can recognize that uh, sometimes tricky people don't even know that they're tricky. And that's mm. what makes them really tricky. Wow. And so, yeah.
0: And oh, so, that's a whole podcast that's right a whole there, thing. Katie. I
1: told you. I'm like, I can talk about this for like five hours. So, um, but the thing is him recognizing, you know, I'm slowly laying the groundwork of uh, you aren't uh, necessarily going to be the one that tricky people are trying to hurt. But your friends are the ones that they're trying to hurt. And we love everybody. And that's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, part of it. And so... Yeah, yeah, we can end it on that. Or like I said, I'll talk forever and ever and ever.
0: I love it. Oh, this has been super fun. Don't tell Heather how much fun we had without oh, her. no. I'm sorry, Heather. <laughs> She's doing yeah. important stuff she, today. She really is. So saving she the world. Is, she truly is off fighting the fight and walking the walk today. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, So, no, we're very proud of her. And mm-hmm. I'm glad to have you here today. And hopefully you'll come back soon for another conversation.
1: Hopefully. I, I, I love coming. I really do. I love coming on the show. I appreciate having the opportunity to give my perspective, even though I know it's silly because it's <laughs> the white heteronormative perspective. But it's
0: but it's a perspective, can, and it's part of the world.
1: And I th- and I think though, I think it helps others like myself to realize that it's not that scary out there if you just opened your heart. <laughs> like it's, that's it.
0: So I love it. Thank you, learn Katie. Life, right? Uh, yes. Good plug. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All
0: right. Love you. Love Bye. you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can email us at Listen Learn Love at inpurposeea dot com. Find us on Facebook at Listen Learn Love Podcast, and please consider supporting us through our new membership program at inpurposeea backslash memberships. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at inpurposees or on Twitter at InPurposeEA. Hey, we'll see you next week.